Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is why we call on the most conscious workers, the trade union movement, but also the progressive and democratic forces to block these reactionaries by unmasking them and oppose them by fighting. These are the demands of the communists. So if even the communists in Canada are calling this out, the communist party of this country are saying that this is not a workers revolt what more do you need i ask you at this point what more do you need okay we can we can pause this for for trucker coverage right i have some i have some amazing trucker coverage today and uh it's it's wild it's wild i i think everyone's been waiting for it and it's it's pretty massive i, th- I think i think truck tr- truck coverage Truck, truck overage, truck coverage. Is, is that what we're gonna call it? Yeah, let's let's go with that. Let's go with the uh, truckerage. First, we must play our anthem, of course. Orgy in the showers at Ram Ranch. Big heart throbbing cocks. Ram and cowboy butt like a breed of ram wanting to run. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! By the way. I'm not going to do it today, but there is such a Ram Ranch. Like, it's you can already see one of them here. The ultimate Ram Ranch investigation. This, like, it the it, the lore goes deep. Ram Ranch, wow. The person who made the Ram Ranch tried to turn their one viral video into an entire channel of Ram Ranch songs. There's so many Ram Ranch. Just Ram Ranch. Just Ram Ranch 85. <laughs> Oil Rigger Boy. Cowboys in Heat. <laughs> Let's begin our coverage. What better time to talk about this? The latest on the Canadian anti-vaccine mandate protest is that three U.S. border crossings are now fully blocked, up from 1.5 yesterday. Supply chain crises are mounting. Protesters are purposely flooding the 911 line in Ottawa, per the police, and jamming up the airport there. This is where the USA meets Canada, and where pandemic restrictions have met their most costly resistance. This is usually the busiest land link between the two countries. Thousands of lorries carrying $300 million of goods each day come over this bridge. All of that shut down by this blockade, by this self-styled band of freedom fighters. We want freedom, freedom of all mandates, and that's what we're fighting for. We're Canadian, and we want to be free Canadians. Freedom of choice. Freedom. Freedom of choice. Enough of the tyranny. Are you worried about the impact this might have on the ordinary people, the people employed by those car manufacturing companies? Oh, of course. It's going to impact everybody, but I think everybody should be taking a stand and take a week or whatever off of work, and then hopefully we can make a difference. Yeah, come on. You know, it's for the good of all of us. If a handful of employees, I think it's to the tune of five different auto working plants now, I have a whole bunch of people who no longer uh, can get paid uh, for about five days. That's a lot of money, by the way. What's five days worth of salary? But I mean, it's a sacrifice we all need to make, right? Whether or not you want to, you're, you're now a part of this. So, uh, checks notes. Workers, uh, the workers at those auto plants, uh, they're no longer uh, with uh, with employment pay. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know. I've been here since yesterday. Since yesterday at like... I think it was up noon. Yeah, I haven't left. How long will you stay? As long as it takes, I guess. Some have travelled here from Ottawa. Canada's capital has been paralysed for 12 days now by similar protests about vaccine and mask mandates. What started last month as a loosely organised convoy of truckers is now this, a movement which has raised millions of dollars and brought one of the main arteries between the USA and Canada to a complete standstill. Many here denounce the Canadian Prime Minister. They're unlikely to listen to him. By the way, that's one of the reasons I keep trying to identify this as not a workers' revolt, but rather people who are advocating for something, and it's very distinct what they keep saying, and it's echoed by the Americans as well. And I'm talking about, you know, your Fox News, uh, your Tucker Carlson's, your Donald Trump's, uh, you know, your Marjorie Taylor Greens, your Steve Bannon's. Oh, don't forget Ted Cruz, but he's a Canadian; it doesn't really count. Freedom, freedom. We're we're fighting for freedom. 
It's not we're fighting for workers' uh, workers' rights. We're not fighting for a higher pay. We're not fighting for like more benefits. We're not fighting for unionization. We're not even fighting for worker co-ops. Heaven forbid. We're fighting for freedom. Is pleased to go home. Individuals are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. Oh, thanks, Justin Trudeau. Wow, look at you, the neoliberal leader. Um, I think there was something to be said about what if these tactics were used for something good? Or what if not even these tactics, but what if there was an actual workers' revolt? What if there was a workers' revolt? Because the unifying factor in this is, is again, a call to the end of all mandates, right? Everyone here is united by that rallying cry. Their demands are very simple. Two things can happen. One, an end to all mandates. That includes mask wearing, that includes social distancing, that includes, uh, you know, uh, medical mandates that have been put into, uh, you know, a lot of hospitals and stuff. I saw a really good post by a doctor who was like, do you want to end all medical mandates? Because like, we have medical mandates in place for a lot of things, like rubella, like for measles and stuff like that. Would, would you like to see an end to those two or an end to the vaccine requirements for those if you happen to be a healthcare worker? Stuff of that nature. But um, it's, it's, it's clear what exactly is taking place. Like a backup goalie in hockey, the Blue Water Bridge... Oh, you know you're watching Canadian media when that happens, eh? Oh, like a backup goaler in hockey. You know, he just, uh, he's going to have to say that. It's not a great, uh, oh, there's a hat trick going on right here at the border crossing, if you know what I'm saying. Which has suddenly been called into action. Because a couple of hours away in Windsor, protesters are still not letting trucks cross the much larger Ambassador Bridge into Canada. This man, who calls himself Greg, defends the ongoing blockade. Why do I think I have the right? Why does any protester think he has the right to do anything? For three days, shipments have been diverted and slowed down, frustrating many driving those delayed rigs and infuriating industries that count on speedy deliveries. It's a huge challenge for all the industries involved, for all the employees involved, and of course for you know just the flow of goods to, to final citizens, to consumers. It's, it's just um, it's staggering, actually. The auto industry is especially dependent on those shipments and thousands of jobs. It is breathlessly stupid. <laughs> for a group that wants to uh, inspire people to join their movement to put those same people out of work. And now... And here, we are formally requesting additional resources. Windsor's mayor is asking for federal and provincial help, including more police officers. Is there a timeline to get this resolved? Again, it's Today, as tomorrow. the situation unfolds. Um, we're not going to discuss our operational plans. Public safety is the number one priority, and we're looking to restore traffic flow in the area. As pressure to shut down this protest. By the way, it's I know it's confusing to some people, especially people who are watching this, because right now I'm getting a lot of whataboutism, especially in my like in my Twitter comments from people calling me a bootlicking traitor. Um, it's okay to be anti-state authority. It's also okay to be uh, someone who believes in uh, prison abolition or prison reform or, or police uh, reform or defunding the police and at the same time be questioning why there happens to be two separate systems that are going on here. Again, I always like to juxtapose it with the fact that indigenous protesters, environmental protesters, even union driving protesters are treated incredibly different. There's no kid gloves there. There's no like, well, we're going to assess the situation for the next two weeks and then we're going to see where we land. There's just straight up, we're going to smash down uh, this building or this uh, this uh, you know structure that you built and then we're going to take all of you out of it and reopen the bridge to incoming trucks intensifies such action may inflame the situation uh, and for certainly cause more folks to come here and add to the protest and we don't want to risk additional conflict back at the protest i asked greg about that if they decide to uh, to break this up what are you guys going to do There'll be some resistance, just like Black Lives Matter resist. Nothing's likely to change in Windsor until that city gets the support it's looking for. Near here, there was a brief protest, but they moved on. The unofficial concern, a second block. Protesters step up blocking access to Ambassador Bridge, International Crossing on day four of the rallies. Protesters in Windsor, Ontario have completely blocked off the only side street entrance to the Ambassador Bridge, a major U.S.-Canada trade route on Thursday. As rallies against the pandemic mandates continued on to their fourth day, during the first three days, Windsor police were able to keep one side of the street entrance to the bridge clear for the slow uh, trickle of traffic. However, overnight on Wednesday and early Thursday morning, protesters moved to block an area of the street, forcing transport trucks and other traffic to halt in the city's downtown core. The main artery to the bridge, Huron Church Road, has been blocked since Monday afternoon. 
Protesters now saying interaction with the police is, quote, a standoff. Police uh, man-basing Gaul was the first vehicle parked and blocking the road to a side entrance to the bridge Tuesday or Thursday. He said protesters were able to block the street despite the heavy police presence. It was a standoff, but we had grit and spirit, and they have salaries. If they can run shifts, we can run shifts. The West End Windsor resident says he's been at the protest since Monday afternoon, and his, quote, comrades are bringing more supplies. I want the right to choice. I don't mind the vaccine. I don't like them telling me. Uh, it's only due to my laziness. My family lives in India. I haven't been in five years, he said, adding he could visit for the last two years due to the pandemic. Uh, when asked what the protesters want, he said, negotiation, middle ground, listen to us and we'll listen to you. Wise, wor- uh, wise words prevail when leaders meet on the trail. Ooh, there's a slogan. This is something else that's happening today. Uh, they're deputizing themselves. They're now turning themselves into a police force. I know I don't play a lot of rumble on here, but let's check this out. Seems that Mr. Mayor and Lertle... It's Lurtle like Little Turtle. New word for me. Anyways, it's a a neologism, I guess. Uh, And Lurtle, Mr. Trudeau, wanted to pull a sneaky and scare innocent people. Well, since Canada was founded on common law... Oh, what that means. Uh, we now have authorized many peace officers and offer this to any Canadian police officer who wants to join in with real Canadians. Mr. Trudeau brought in two and a half busloads of armed gentlemen and ladies to intimidate good people. While a, while a nice press conference held, there seemed to get them on the pack and find a new one home to hang out in. Oh, by the way, your little holding facility? Well, let's say, gentlemen, lots of love from them. Are you willing to be employed to preserve Are you willing to be employed to preserve and maintain the public peace? Yes. Do you believe you are competent and capable of doing so? Yes. On behalf of myself and so many others, do you solemnly swear to preserve and maintain the public peace? So help you God. Yes. Do you see yourself as a peace officer? Yes. I hereby employ you as a peace officer of the Canadian Common Corps of Peace Officers to preserve and maintain the public peace. You are lawfully empowered to employ other members of the public as peace officers and to detain and arrest anyone you see breaching the public peace. Our goal is to work with the police forces and to ensure that they realize that they are not alone and we do not look at them as an enemy, but as fellow peace officers. Do you understand? Yes. Congratulations, you are now peace officers. It's just that easy. I had no idea. I didn't get a full number there. I don't know how many people were just deputized, but uh, good for them. This one is the one that's going viral today. Everyone's saying that it's like the new Karen cops, but here we are. Okay, he's going to read it now. Uh, Guys, we are going live from Coventry Lane, and uh, we are being ordained as peace officers, and this is legit. Um, the police have been notified that we are doing oh, a live of a live. I'm, we're oh. doing a live of a live, people. <laughs> uh, so we're just about to start, so we'll stop talking now. And please take it away, sir. Okay, I'm here to employ each of you as peace officers. Do you understand, under the Criminal Code of Canada, a peace officer is someone employed to preserve and maintain the public peace? Yes. yes. Are you willing employed to preserve and maintain the public peace yes do you believe you are competent and capable of doing so yes on behalf of myself and so many others do you solemnly swear to preserve and maintain the public peace so help you god yes so help me god do you see yourself as peace officers yes I hereby employ you as a peace officer of the Canadian Common Corps of Peace Officers to preserve and maintain the public peace. You are lawfully empowered to employ other members of the public as peace officers and to detain and arrest anyone you see breaching the public peace. Yes. Our goal is to work with the police. I am so excited for the first batch of citizens arrests to go down. Like anyone who's like yelling at them or is wearing a mask or is saying, hey, by the way, you're not allowed to technically transport fuel anymore. All of a sudden be like, oh, you didn't know. Oh, I've been deputized as a peace officer. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to make an arrest right now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to arrest you. And we have a little uh, we have a little citizens jail that we've set up in, in the corner over there. We're going to put you in there and we're going to detain you. This is not a hostage situation. Don't. No, no, no. This, this is all legit. All right. We have been authorized. I, I, got, I got deputized this morning. Trust me. I can show you the video. The video it's on the internet there's proof these forces and to ensure that they realize that they are not alone 
and we do not look at them as the enemy, but as other peace officers. Yes. Yes. So just so you know, they don't look at police as the enemy anymore. Those are just fellow peace officers. So both of them are just enforcing the peace. Yes. 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 Congratulations. You are peace officers now. Thank you. <laughs> Amanda, can you please witness can mine, please? Yep. So we're, oh, Jiminy Cricket. So, <laughs> I hope I didn't lose officer. that. Oh, I Jiminy okay. Cricket. I you, Amanda. All right. So Rebecca's re witnessing me. There we go. Resume. Sorry, I hit the wrong button on my phone. So Rebecca Shepard and I are both witnessing each other on our, on our various lives. Uh, we have just... <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to call your authority in the question, but I can't do that anymore because you've both witnessed each other. Sorry about that. Come peace officers here in Ottawa. We're actually up on Cover Tree Road right now. I mean, everyone keeps on talking about how silly this all is. I, has this ever happened in America? I know Sovereign Citizens, okay? I've watched the videos. I've had a time. I, I, I love Sovereign Citizens videos where there's like, I will not consent. And it's, it's like, it's unfortunate because like, there is an incredible amount of abuse of state power, especially when it comes to the way that police officers treat citizens. And if people don't know their rights, they trample on them. Like, you don't have to just submit to what a police officer asks of you on the street. Like, you can say like, officer, why am I being detained? Am I being detained are you going to arrest me you're not going to arrest me well then i would like to continue on doing what i'm doing those are things that should be taught to like every single person you do have rights that are often trampled on or people will like you know that try to overstep their authority that does happen on the other end for people who are just like uh i am a sovereign citizen and i do not uh i do not consent i do not respect uh the authority uh of any of anyone then it's like oh what like how far do you think this is gonna go because when push comes to shove it's still gonna go down you know, like the, the, you can't just like it's it's like people who consider themselves to be travelers of the world. I think is that what they call themselves, where they don't need passports in any way, shape, or form, and they're like, oh no, I, I'm just a I'm I'm a I'm a are they called travelers? There's a name for them, and and they'll show up to airports and then they'll, they'll present their printed off document. That's just like you know, tr uh, uh, what is it? Not maritime law, but it'll be like yeah, I I, f I forget what the name of it is. Anyways, I, I expect people to suddenly recognize that, like just by stating, oh actually, I have authority in in this situation. I'm, I'm a free traveler uh it's gonna be oh oh sorry i didn't know oh do, do you have a printout oh nice oh okay yeah yeah no go 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 about your day we're, we're just gonna we're gonna throw uh, everything out the window you know i wish you could do that yes hey don't don't get me wrong there's one thing to be like this is things we advocate for and the other th thing you have to recognize that these people are being absolute clowns right now by doing so like this there's no police officer in Canada who's going to look to someone who's like, oh, actually, I'm a deputized peace officer. I was this morning. You don't have authority over me. I'm actually on your side. We're both peace officers, technically. It's common law. It's common law. Trust me. No, I, the video is on the internet. Check it out. I have a witness. I, my friend witnessed me and she and I witnessed her, okay? We've both have been deputized. You have no authority over us anymore. Like, well, I didn't know there was this loophole. Why haven't lefties been doing this this whole time? Why doesn't every lefty just deputize them as a peace officer, especially indigenous ones, and then maybe the sovereign territory won't be trampled on anymore? Like, maybe that, that was the solution we were looking for all along, right? Federal conservatives call on all anti-vaccine mandates as the protesters, uh, and also call for the protesters to go home. Interim conservative leader Candace Bergen renews calls for Ottawa to drop all federal COVID restrictions. After publicly supporting the anti-vaccine mandate activists protesting in Ottawa in recent weeks, interim conservative leader Candace Bergen said Thursday, it's time for the convoy and other protesters blocking two major border crossings to end their demonstrations and go home. Bergen has called the convoy a passionate patriotic and peaceful group of Canadians concerned about the freedom at a time of COVID restrictions said the protesters have made their point in Parliament and the Conservative Party will take up their fight in the House of Commons. The anti-mandate protest started in Ottawa and has spread to Windsor, Coutts, Alta, disrupting the flow of goods and crippling the US-Canada trade. And by the way, everyone who's constantly saying that, hey, uh, if you don't give uh, truckers their freedom, then it's going to affect uh, the supply chains. It's going, to, it's going to affect the grocery stores. Well, it is, but it's not for the reasons you may think. It's now going to affect the, affect the supply chains and the grocery stores because they're effectively just shutting down the U.S.-Canada border. The economy you want to see reopening is hurting. The protesting because you love your country and you want your freedoms back. That message has been heard. Bergen said the barricades and the trucks should be removed for the sake of the economy and because it's the right thing to do. What I want to point out is what has happened here is things have gotten too far. Okay, what happened is the Conservative Party of Canada, first under Aaron O'Toole before he got ousted in this process, which is fucking hilarious, by the way. But Aaron O'Toole didn't do as good as he wanted to in the last election. So Aaron O'Toole's like, you know what? This trucker freedom convoy could be my ticket to the prime minister's office. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to like, you know, hitch a trail to this trucker convoy and say, yes, this is about freedom. This is about supply chains. This is about working Canadians. I'm all on board. And then they were like, 
Nah. And so then we have the interim leader, who turns out uh, happens to be a Trump-supporting, Make America Great Again hat-wearing uh, Canadian. And uh, she came out and as well was like, we have to support this, we have to support the truckers, we have to support all that. Great. Things went too far. Now they're effectively blocking multiple border crossings in Canada. So now they've got to do the old safely dial things back. Well, at the same time, we want to show that we also support you. We support you. We're in favor of you. But at the same time, things are getting kind of scary because we don't know this is getting hairy. We don't know how it's going to end. So we're also saying you should probably go home. We support you and everything you're fighting for, but you should go home. Your message has been heard. But at the same time, we completely support you. But uh, at the same time, we don't want to be there if the if this turns really, really violent or bad. So that's why you're seeing this weird kind of push-pull that's coming from the conservatives now Bergen said the barricades and trucks should be removed for the sake of the economy and because it's the right thing to do during the week-long protest in the nation's capital Bergen posed for pictures with some of the convoy members citing internal emails the Globe and Mail has reported that Bergen previously uh, reluctant to tell truckers to go home and preferred instead to make the issue of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's problem other prominent conservatives including MP MP Pierre Polivier a candidate for the party's leadership has closely associated himself with the convoy and its call for the end of all federal COVID-19 restrictions so this is like it's a dangerous balancing act right Right now, politicians in Canada, they want these votes and they also want to tap into what they think is like this movement. And that movement was previously tapped into by Maxime Bernier and the PPC. During the last federal election in Canada, it was the PPC party that was really saying, hey, we want to end all mandates. We want to end all mask wearing. We want to end all social distancing. No more vaccine mandates. You name it. We're on board with you. And they could see that people were really angry and really galvanized. And I say this again, it's not the left who were hitting the streets in massive numbers and throwing rocks at the prime minister of Canada. It was the anti-vaxxers, the anti maskers the anti-mandators they were the ones who were just like oh this is the uh, freedom i need my life back freedom not fear believe here said in a recent speech oh yeah i kind of want to show that speech hold on before we get to uh this stuff conservatives has their story and the story that i'm hearing right now is that people feel like they're losing control of their lives whether it's the young couple living in their parents basement even though they're 30 years old because they can't afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house and are calculating that they may never be able to own a home whether it's the immigrant who comes here as a doctor but is blocked by a bureaucracy Hi, Dan Simpson. Welcome. Welcome in, Raiders. Everyone, go to twitch.tv slash Simpson. Give them a follow back. If you're just tuning in, we are doing trucker convoy coverage of the great honking in Canada. And right now, if you're looking at the screen, you might see an individual named... Pierre Polivier. He is running to become the new conservative leader in Canada, and he's throwing all his weight behind the trucker occupation that is taking place in this country. And I'm about to debunk the strange, bizarre theory that everyone is saying that this happens to be a workers' revolt. It is not. They're not demanding for a bunch of things for truckers. They're not demanding that truckers get better pay. They're not demanding that truckers not be contract workers. They're not demanding that there no longer be wage theft of truckers who work very long overtime hours. They're not uh, recommending that there be better safety and security for truckers who may be assaulted on the road or things like that or have to work such long hours that they're driving for endless hours on end none of that the only thing they want their demands are simple it's twofold either a you remove all the uh, the mandates uh, related to COVID-19 all of them or two the current uh, administration resign in disgrace it's one of those two things so just just so everyone's clear from ever doing that job or getting a license to practice, whether it's the First Nations community that wants to harvest its resources to lift itself out of poverty but is blocked by government gatekeepers, Mr. Speaker, or more recently, whether it's the countless small business people who've been flattened by endless lockdowns and rules that often seem to have no link to science, or whether it is no link to science who has been dutifully putting the goods and services in our communities, on our shelves, and on our kitchen table. This guy's going to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. He's, he's like, he's, the polling shows that he's like basically uh, running unopposed. He's got like 45% support. The next biggest person with support is Jordan Peterson, and he's not even running, if, if that shows you anything. ...and now is called names and prevented from doing his or her job by a prime minister who's not interested in listening. Now, there, I am vaccinated, and I encourage others to do so. But every person has their story. They have their reasons. They might be medical reasons, cultural reasons. They might even have learned, they might have had uh, an unfortunate medical experience with prior medical prescriptions that have prevented them from making that decision. 
But that decision must be theirs. Their bodies belong to them. They are masters your body, of their your own choice. decisions. And instead of listening to these people, the Prime Minister has insulted them and name-called them and left them with no choice but to, to engage in legitimate and peaceful protest. If he Oh, to everyone saying, what is happening in Canada? You are our sane neighbor to the north. That was because you were following the last couple seasons of America. The last couple seasons of America were just so outrageous that everyone was just like, oh, wow. Uh, everywhere seemed a little bit more calm by comparison. And that's just America. You just ramp things up. And I guess everyone was just kind of sitting and waiting. And now Canada is like, hold my beer. Hold my beer, eh? Hold, hold, hold my six-pack, eh? Uh, uh, my strong Canadian beer. Because we're going for it. We're going for all of it. If he wants to put an end to those protests, if he wants to actually reunite the country, then he should do what others have begun doing, because freedom is on the march in this country. Freedom. Freedom. And now, uh, kind of fun, but uh, this is what Pierre Polivier said about the exact same thing happening when Indigenous people did it. And these are two direct quotes. Quote, when indigenous people protest and blockade, it is wrong, and the government has laws and tools in place to deal with it. Other quote, these blockaders are taking away the freedom of other people to move their goods and themselves. Hmm. Kind of seems like you're telling two different stories here, Pierre. Two very distinct stories. Interesting. Interesting. Well, probably nothing. New. Toyota's three Ontario auto plants will stop production for the rest of the week due to the Ambassador Bridge blockade, I'm told. That's at least six auto plants shut down and reducing production over the protest, including two Ford plants and one Stellantis plant. This is about workers, right? I keep hearing that. This is about workers? Well, there, there's a whole bunch of workers who can't work right now. Uh, there's also a lot of workers in Ottawa who can't work. They had to shut down the entire mall in that area for safety concerns. There's a whole article about it on the CBC where a bunch of the workers in there, hundreds of them, are now not getting jobs and not being paid. Some of them were like, I make minimum wage. I needed this job to pay for uh, my rent, my food, my kids. And now I can't do that anymore since the entire mall shut down for safety concerns. But again, this is about the workers. Don't, don't worry. It's, it's all about the workers. Speaking of workers, by the way, I have some announcements. The majority of unions in Canada have come out in opposition to the trucker occupation. Starting with the Canadian Labour, Canada's unions stand together, unequivocally opposed to these vile and hateful messages and condemn the ongoing harassment and violence. Governments must act now to support workers and businesses affected and end the occupation. What? Joint statement from Canada's unions on the Ottawa occupation. Canada's unions have fought for generations for the right to protest. This is a cornerstone of our democratic system. But what we have witnessed on the streets of Canada's capital over the past 13 days is something different altogether. This is not a protest. It is an occupation by an angry mob trying to disguise itself as a peaceful protest. We have seen an occupa occupation of city streets and parks, disrupting workers, businesses and residents. Frontline workers from retail to health workers have been bullied and harassed. We witnessed noise attacks keeping families up at all hours. We have seen right-wing extremists spreading messages filled with racism and intolerance, flying the Nazi and the Confederate flags alongside other symbols of violence and hate. We've seen the organizers not only demand the end to all public health rules, but also call for the overthrow of our democratically elected government. The leaders of this occupation include people who have espoused Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, and racist hate on social media, organizers of the notorious far-right yellow vest protests, and people spreading extreme conspiracy theories and calls for violence. This is an attack on all Canada, not just the people of Ottawa. Canada's unions stand together, unequivocally opposed to these vile and hateful messages, and condemn the ongoing harassment and violence against the people of Ottawa. This occupation on Ottawa streets on top of the latest wave of the pandemic is having a devastating effect on the livelihood of already struggling workers and businesses. Workers are being harassed and bullied and just trying to stay safe while serving their customers. Other businesses are being forced to close which leaves them and their employees suffering economic losses they can ill afford. This occupation also raises questions about an uneven application of policing. Authorities spent uh, the first week taking a hands-off approach to the occupation of the city streets and parks, not even handing out parking tickets as big rig... Uh, big rigs blocked busy intersections and local businesses and they were forced to shudder. This is a far cry from the kinds of crackdowns we've seen in the past towards indigenous land protests, Black Lives Matter, and other equity-seeking activists or striking workers. This one is very key, by the way, equity-seeking activists. 
Over the past 13 days, we've seen an unacceptable lack of leadership from those in charge uh, with maintaining the peace and defending public safety. Once the situation has been resolved, Canada's unions believe it is vital that there will be a full investigation into the response by all levels of government of this occupation. The Omicron wave is still affecting our communities and Canada's healthcare systems are intimidated with patients plagued by shortages of nurses, doctors, and healthcare workers. Canada's unions believe it is absolutely critical that public health decisions are based on science, not on politics or an angry mob. We continue to call for strong occupational health and safety measures for all workers. Yes, it turns out it is a workers issue if you want to keep your workers safe. If you have to say put worker safety provisions in a fulfillment center for Amazon so that people have to be socially distanced so that there is some kind of protection in between them if they have to be va- uh, mandated to have vaccines, whatever it is, it is for the worker safety itself. Canada's union call on federal and provincial governments to work together and quickly deliver urgently needed direct support to the workers and businesses affected. It is time for all levels of government to work together to help the people affected and put an end to the occupation on the nature's capital. Now, I'm excited to see the pushback from your Jimmy Doors, uh, from your Russell Brands, from your Tucker Carlson's, everyone who's like, this is a, a workers' protest. I was saying earlier, Dinesh D'Souza just released a video about how Marxists don't understand Marxism because they're not marxism mean enough. Because they're like, hey, Marxists always talk about things like the labor theory of value, and yet they're not supporting the freedom rally in in Canada. It's not as if I have no understanding about what the labor theory of value is or anything related to Marxism, but it's kind of weird to me that Marxists who espouse to be Marxists, apparently, are not supporting this and are talking ill and saying this is some kind of like a far-right adjacent rally. Uh, Clearly, they don't understand Marxism. Interesting that. Canada's unions, and this is the United Steelworkers retreating, Canada's unions stand together unequivocally opposed to these violent, hateful messages, condemn the ongoing harassment and violence. We got more, everybody. Uh, let's rewind this for one sec. Uh, Canada's neighborhood union dedicated to building a better life for workers. Hundreds of communities across the country has also come out and retweeted that same story. Uh, the union of uh, frontline workers has come out and condemned it. Uh, the BC Teachers Union has come out and condemned it. The Teamsters of Canada have come out and condemned this. The real enemy of the truckers is COVID-19. Statement by François Laporte, president of the Teamsters Canada, representing over 55,000 professional drivers across the country. Are you noticing a pattern here? Is anyone seeing what is happening? What actual union workers are doing? Teamsters Canada is proud to represent 55,000 professional drivers in diverse industries across the country, approximately 15,000 of which are long-haul drivers, 90% of whom are vaccinated. The so-called Freedom Convoy and the despicable display of hate led by the political right and uh, shamefully encouraged by elected conservative politicians does not reflect the value of the Teamsters Canada nor the vast majority of our members and in fact has served to delegitimize the real concerns of most truck drivers today. We firmly believe in the right to protest government policies and voice a a wide array of opinions, but what is happening in Ottawa has done more harm to Teamsters members be they truck drivers who were trying to deliver their loads, hotel and restaurant and healthcare workers who were intimidated, abused or prevented from accessing their workplaces by several protesters. Teamsters Canada would like to welcome collaboration with government and employers to address today's real challenges in the trucking industry to help keep supply chains going and Canada's economy growing. Who else do we got? The goddamn commies. The commies. Fucking hell, the Communist Party of Canada coming out and condemning the Freedom Convoy, saying the Freedom Convoy is a dangerous movement for the working class, but useful for the ruling class. The Communist Party of Canada views the Freedom Convoy as a public expression of the increasingly organized assertive far right. The clear links between the organizers of the convoy and the far right network indicate that this is not a spontaneous working class demonstration. On the contrary, it is part of a global phenomenon, the rise and mainstreaming of far right, which is demonstrated by the strong support, ideologically and financially, from the U.S. far right circles close to Donald Trump and January 6th insurrection. The convoy is filled with Nazi and Confederate flags, election signs for Bernier, and all sorts of far-right symbols. The 10 million raised through the GoFundMe for this convoy also showcases that this was planned by ultra-right networks. It is certainly not the meager earnings of the working class that is funding the effort. We understand the frustration of a growing part of the population. They are justified. Since the beginning of the pandemic, both federal and provincial governments have been busy ensuring that corporate interests are placed firmly ahead of public health. The deaths we mourn from this uh, deadly pandemic are the victims of decades of privatization of our public health system. Emergency financial aid programs, whether it be emergency wage subsidies or the CERB, have not served to raise the standard of living for working people, but only barely kept the 7 million people afloat. Over 880,000 people were cast adrift last October after the CRB was ended. These programs have also benefited big business, big retailers, banks and lending institutions, and real estate speculators. After spending most of the CERB payments on groceries for Metro, Sobeys, Loblaws, whose CEO's wealth rose by $4.5 billion after the first year of the pandemic, after paying the rent to big real estate spectators, such as Timbercrete, after paying the interest of credit cards, not much 
much of the meager $500 per week was left for the people to make ends meet. Just as the dangerous while living in working conditions deteriorating for the working majority, the government and the politicians' parties and the pay of big business have agreed to increase military spending. All justified concerns. I love that they're coming out and saying, hey, by the way, from a lefty perspective, this is not it. Y'all, you are being duped. This is not what you think it is. However, these self-proclaimed spokesmen of the people refuse to address these questions. They substitute a populist and anti-scientific discourse in order to funnel the anger of the working people towards workers, particularly immigrants, women, black and indigenous people, Muslims and healthcare workers who have been attacked, teachers and other public, public organizations. Uh, racism, misogyny, violence and hate speech are commonplace in this convoy, which seeks to only divide workers and instill the idea that the enemy is not the bosses, but the working people themselves. That is very, very important. This is far from a freedom convoy. This is a convoy of hate which is threatened to attack civilian populations in Ottawa and everywhere else it has passed through. Don't They don't say a word about the central issue of defending and expanding our public services, especially our public health care system, about raging, uh, sorry, raising wages and controlling the prices of basic necessities. Not a word about nationalizing the pharmaceutical industry to stop big pharma's profiteering, which is contributing to the proliferation of the variants, about the military spending and the danger of war to guarantee corporate profits. Far from attacking the system, they attack workers and struggling to deliver essential services that will save lives, despite systemic underfunding, privatization, and more. Communists recognize the interest behind these demonstrations very well. Big business and the far right, white supremacists, fascists, fundamentalists, the People's Party, we know what it means when the far right organizes itself and tries to take root amongst the unemployed, the organized, sorry, the unorganized, and the bankrupt. We also know what it will take a mass political action by the labor movement and the people's movements to force parliamentary legislation, to stop hate groups as criminal organizations, to enact and enforce hate speech laws, and to defeat the rise of the ultra right. This is why we call on the most conscious workers, the trade union movement, but also the progressive and democratic forces to block these reactionaries by unmasking them and oppose them by fighting for genuine people's recovery that includes a $23 minimum wage and general wage increase, improving working conditions, including uh, decent pensions and retirement at 60, stable job creation, especially at the manufacturing and value-added industry, as well as expanded labor rights, EI reform that is non-contributory and accessible to all workers, including first-time job seekers, covering 90% of previous income that is available during the duration of the unemployment, price controls and rollbacks for food, fuel, and housing, reverse privatization and making public massive investments in healthcare and social services, expand Medicare to include long-term care, dental, vision, drugs, and mental health care base, create a universal quality public health care system, public ownership and democratic control of the banks, insurance companies, energy, natural resources, and the pharmaceutical industry, tax the corporations and the rich, tax relief for working people and the unemployed, strict civilian control over the uh, police, and the expansion and enforcement of anti-hate laws, the designation of hate groups as criminal organization, and reducing the military budget by 75%. These are the demands of the communists. So if even the communists in Canada are calling this out, the fucking communist party of this country are saying that this is fucking not a workers' revolt. What more do you need, I ask you at this point? What more do you need? Clean up your room. Seriously. Media in the Netherlands show the truckers strike, but the way they show it makes it think that all truckers are on the strike. I mean, hey, I blame a lot of the foreign press for the way they're reporting on this because it is completely wrong. And honestly, that's why I keep trying to push on my Twitter account. If you are on like uh, if you're listening to your local news and especially like your right wing media right now and they're telling you that this is a workers revolt, you are being fooled. Look who is in opposition to it. Look at the unions that are in opposition to it. Like that, that should be enough for you to understand what exactly is going on here. Now, this is the other thing we got to talk about. How organizers with police and military expertise may be helping Ottawa convoy protests dig in. For nearly two weeks, uh, anti-vaccine mandate demonstrators and their big rigs have entrenched themselves in Ottawa's parliamentary district and its neighborhoods. Despite a strategic strike by the police to cut off supplies of uh, the truckers to encampment to the city's downtown core, protesters appear to still be getting the upper hand on the police. It's a success that experts partly attribute to the deep knowledge of law enforcement and military tactics that exist in the convoy organizational structure. The group Police on Guard, formed during the pandemic, has endorsed the truck convoy. On its website, it publicly identifies more than 150 mostly retired police officers who are against government-imposed public health measures, including uh, vaccine mandates. More than 50 former Canadian Forces soldiers are also named on the site. The organization says it has boots on the ground in Ottawa and is linked to YouTube videos of its members participating in the protests. Furthermore, the leadership team of the protesters calling themselves the Freedom Convoy includes Daniel Bulford, a former RCMP officer who was on the Prime Minister's security detail. He quit last year for refusing to get the vaccine and is this convoy's head of security. Tom Quiggin, a former military intelligence officer who worked with the RCMP and is considered one of the convoy's top counter-terrorists experts. Tom Marazzo, an ex-military officer who, according to his LinkedIn profile, served in the Canadian Forces for 25 years and now works as a freelance software developer. 
Organizers suggest close relationships with the police. The leaders of the Freedom Convoy refuse to be interviewed by journalists unless they consider them to be friendly to their cause. As CBC News has been barred from their media conferences, in a video posted to one of those news conferences posted on social media, Quiggan gives his assessment of the uh, political and police response in Ottawa, which he calls the opposition. I would like to say the opposition at this point doesn't actually have a strategy. They sort of have a weak goal here, and what they want is the streets cleared. They have no real idea how they want to get there. During his tenure with the RCMP, Quicken was a member of the Integrated National Security Enforcement Team, which was created to thwart terror threats following 9-11. And inset, Quicken has worked alongside top officials with CSIS, which is Canada's spy agency, basically our CIA, and the Canadian Border Services Agency with municipal police forces. Like, if you have a lot of ex-members of the military, a lot of uh, ex-members of intelligence agencies, and a lot of ex-members uh, of the RCMP themselves, inside these groups who are actually, like, uh, coaching them and teaching them what to do, like, you should be seeing all the overlap that is going on. I think what we're going to see is that people start going to the government and saying, get this fixed, and if you don't, we're going to realize that the people have the power to shut things down. While speaking with the video, Bulford bragged about the select reporters and his close relationship with the RCMP, the Parliamentary Protective Service, Ottawa Police, and the Gatineau Police. He urged demonstrators to stay peaceful and connect with the officers on patrol. Police all know that this group is here for everybody, and I want to make a point of saying to other police officers when I see them, it's just like, just so you know, in my mind and heart, we're all doing this for you as well. Police have not commented on any conversations they may have had with Quiggin or Bulford. Uh, protesters and military and police training experts say Michael Kempa, an associate professional criminology at the University of Ottawa, says the convoy's police and military expertise can be seen with coordination of their activities in downtown Ottawa. They have the sort of military or police release surveillance training. Look at the sophistication of what they're setting up in terms of encampment in downtown Ottawa. And we're not talking about the, the funny stuff. Okay, we're not talking about the bouncy castles or the sauna center, which has been set up. There's an actual sauna center. But yes, there's a bouncy castle fun park. There's a giant rave fun park. There's the sauna centers. But we're actually talking about the fact that they also have these encampments set up and they're using these strategies that are thwarting the efforts of the police. Everyone was kind of excited when they were like, oh, the police are finally going to crack down on this entire thing because they're going to be shutting down their fuel source. So if they're not allowed to carry fuel in, well, then they're doomed. This whole thing will end quickly. Turns out the entire thing was moot because they're finding new ways of getting fuel into their encampments, including and this one is very lo-fi just hiding the fuel canisters this other canisters and also drinking water out of fuel canisters to show that hey we in fact we're just transporting like Gatorade and juice this is not uh, fuel you can't confiscate what we have Kempa says the police made a grievous error permitting transport trucks to drive up to the gates of Parliament Hill. Police have called those heavy trucks potential weapons, but they are also assessing tools to keep the transport supplies, such as 2x4s to build shelters, firewood and burn barrels to keep protesters warm, and propane tanks for the barbecues. In the core, abandoned cars and trucks and their tires removed are blocking streets. To Kempa, the replacement of these vehicles is not random but strategic in that they prevent police infiltration. Residents have noticed the protesters are taking shifts, getting into cabs, and idling trucks to blow their horns. The ear-piercing sound rang out at all hours until a court injunction earlier this week forced a temporary pause. Auto police say there are currently more than 400 trucks parked downtown, and they can't move them because tow operators within the city contracts are refusing to help, making matters even more difficult. Police say families with children are sleeping in approximately a quarter of them. That's another really fucked up thing, and a part of the story that's really sad to report, but there is a lot of children involved, which is making the entire thing uh, a mess, to say the very least. Like a complete and utter mess. Right-wing U.S. paw prints are all over the Ottawa occupation and other convoy disruptions. When Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, the United Conservation Party, or sorry, Conservative Party, uh, now that evidence is accumulating, the disruption and threatening the Freedom Convoy occupation in Ottawa is being funded and supported by far-right activists in the United States. Mr. Kenney and his crowd, after all, were the guys who demanded a public inquiry into the alleged foreign funding of Canadian environmental charities, opposed to the further development of Alberta oil sands, but they've kind of been radio silence on this entire thing. One of the big things to look to uh, is also the Canada Unity Party, uh, which is basically uh, a far-right party in Canada, uh, which has a lot of involvement with this. And that's just outside of the, of course, the um, the Yellow Jackets movement in Canada as well, which is unfortunately a far-right party, not to be confused with the movement in France, which is a workers' party, a workers' uprising. Finally, I wanted to talk a little bit about COVID-19 and compare the U.S. and Canada. Uh, U.S. and Canada, days since the first start, and this is not updated all the way till today, but if you look at this, zero to 675 days, um, the U.S. is the orange line that you see before you, and this orange line going as it were. The spikes that occur and then suddenly plummet, you can compare the case, uh, the amount of cases in Canada. This is by um, ratio of the population, by the way, so this is just a direct comparison, one-to-one. Uh, -one. When you look at the deaths, it becomes a lot more striking, especially between the United States, the United Kingdom, and Canada. Um, and you can see the huge bumps and spikes right here is the United Kingdom at their absolute worst. Um, and then the downfall trends, which happens when we're going through these different waves. But then the spikes occur once again. This is the United States. This is Canada. This is the United States. This is Canada. The reason I wanted to uh, demonstrate that is because 
the mandates worked. A, a lot of the measures worked. Yes, a lot of them were on the provincial level, but uh, things like mask mandates, indoor mask mandates, social distancing mandates, um, vaccine mandates, for example, you can see a demonstrable effect between the results that happened uh, uh, within different countries. And this is a direct comparison between the United States and Canada. If Canada had done the exact same measures as the United States, you probably would have seen a huge increase in deaths. I've seen an estimate of almost 54,000 people, uh, roughly, uh, may have lost their lives if we had followed the exact same protocols that the United States did, and if we didn't have a public health care system and access to it, as people in the United States do not have. Those two things make a dramatic difference. But that would be, again, you know, 50,000 lives uh, that you may have known, that someone may have known that could have been lost. So... A protest that is effectively asking for one of two things. One, an end to all mandates. Absolutely. No more masks, no more distancing, no more nothing, no more vaccines, no more... Just people do what they want to do. Let's just, like, go back to normal. Let's return to normal, please. Um, Or the entirety of the government resign in disgrace. Not two things that are actually going to happen anytime soon. Uh, You can see what the effects could have been if people have gotten what they wanted from the very start. There's obviously been very large, uh, large, uh, uh, you know, communities and and organizations who have been calling for an end to all measures that have been taken during the pandemic since the very start. But if those measures have resulted in the saving of lives, and I should emphasize the saving of lives of people who are most vulnerable in these communities. The majority of people still, even in Canada, who were dying disproportionately happen to fall along the lines of frontline workers. Yes, it is the elderly, but it's also people who happen to be Indigenous Canadians, who happen to be uh, uh, sick Canadians, who happen to be uh, black Canadians, people who have arrived uh, from other parts of the world, foreign workers who are frontline workers as well. They are the ones who are disproportionately, and I, I, I would be amiss if I did not mention this, people with disabilities. Much like in the UK, we showed the statistic of the people who were dying in the UK uh, from the first and second waves of uh, of COVID-19, 60% of them happen to be people with disabilities. These things are in place not for the healthy uh, Joe Rogan buff 20-year-olds that he keeps talking about. Hey, if you're a 20-year-old and you're in shape, you don't need to worry about COVID-19. You're going to be just fine. Fucking, you're going to be fine. Why are we talking about this? You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Fuck. Um, It's to protect people who are the most vulnerable. That's always been the thing. You don't wear a mask when you go outside because it's actually going to prevent you from ever getting COVID-19 unless it happens to be uh, N95. And even then, it's not going to be 100%. But you do it so that you do not potentially spread COVID-19, especially if you're asymptomatic. That's why everyone had to wear a mask. That was kind of the idea behind it. Again, it was always to protect the most vulnerable people of society. And if people are suddenly just saying, fuck it, you know, why should we care anymore? I mean, that that's why I really wanted to bring up, and not exactly this part, uh, here it is. That's why I wanted to bring up this new segment by Mehdi Hassan to talk about everyone who likes to say that COVID is over. We're over COVID, aren't we? Hashtag we're over it. Do you know how many Americans died of COVID yesterday? According to the latest data from NBC News, 3,016 people succumbed to the virus. 3,016, more than the number of people killed on 9-11. Again. Do you know how many Americans have died of COVID in the past week? 17,993. Roughly the size of a sellout crowd at some NBA arenas. How about in the month of January? 61,591 deaths. More than the population of... Bowling Green, Kentucky, or Daytona Beach, Florida. In fact, according to CDC data, more Americans died of COVID last month than have died of the flu in the past three years. In the weeks ahead, the total death toll from COVID will likely cross 1 million Americans, about one in every 400 people. in the. And these numbers are underreported, by the way. That's another thing to keep in mind. The US. It's maddening. Especially because that's not what the media is even talking about now. No, my industry is talking about one issue, the lifting of measures to mitigate the spread of the virus, the tyranny of vaccination requirements, the hardship of masking in public spaces, how it's time to basically move on. In recent days, multiple states with mostly Democratic governors who have sworn to follow the science, they seem to be reacting to that coverage. Earlier this week, it was Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, and Oregon ending their school mask mandates. Yesterday, California announced it would ease COVID restrictions. And just today, New York and Massachusetts followed suit. So what exactly is driving this trend? Is it public opinion polling? There certainly seems to be a narrative in the media that this is what most Americans want. But no, a YouGov poll late last week found that a near majority, 49% of Americans still think the COVID virus is a bigger threat than COVID restrictions. Only 39% disagreed. 
and a Monmouth poll around the same time found that a majority of Americans still want face masks and social distancing rules in their states. Maybe it's the public health data driving all this, the case numbers, which are going down sharply. And the expectation is that in a few weeks, deaths will too, we hope. That's certainly the way some Democrats are spinning it, like Congressman Sean Maloney of New York, who's in charge of his party's midterm election efforts in Congress. Democrats' plan to fight COVID is working, he tweeted today. Cases are down and vaccines are widely available. Now it's time to give people their lives back. With science as our guide, we're ready to start getting back to normal. Normal. Let's take a look at the CDC's latest heat map of where community transmission rates are still dangerously high. Ah, yes, there it is. As long as you don't live in the red parts, you're fine. See those little blue blips? Great news for Petroleum County, Montana, and less than a dozen other counties in America out of more than 3,000 where cases are super high. In fact, we've heard triumphant declarations like Maloney's before. Remember last summer? Today, we're closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus. While the virus hasn't been vanquished, we know this. It no longer controls our lives. It no longer paralyzes our nation. And it's within our power to make sure it never does again. I'm sorry, but President Biden was wrong then. And Democrats doing a celebration dance are wrong now. Part of the problem is how we have talked about this pandemic as a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We've done that on this show, too. And you can see why that makes sense when you look at the CDC's chart of death rates last year. They suggest that fully vaccinated Americans are at least 15 times less likely to die of the disease than the unvaccinated. That's true and undeniably a good thing. Good news. The vaccines are greatly effective at reducing your chances of dying. But, and there's a but, in a nation of 330 million people, that very low death rate, rate, remember, that very low death rate in the midst of a raging variant like Omicron still translates to thousands of deaths, even among vaccinated people when it comes to the raw numbers. I bet you didn't know that hundreds of vaccinated Americans are dying of COVID every day. Yeah, or at least that's what the CDC data seems to suggest but no one will say it out loud or give an official number because no one understandably wants to sound like an anti-vaxxer. And again, let me repeat, the vaccines work. They have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Make sure you get vaccinated and boosted. But to pretend only unvaccinated people are dying of COVID right now is just wrong. And yes, the majority of those vaccinated deaths were people who were elderly or had comorbidities. That is true too. But is that supposed to make us feel better yeah. or okay about their death? <laughs> Good news, everyone. It's, it's mostly people with disabilities and who are old who are dying. So uh, problem solved, right? Deaths? They were human beings, Americans, and they did everything they were supposed to. They died because while the vaccines are incredibly effective, they don't eliminate the virus. For that, you need vaccines and mitigation efforts like masks and distancing, especially in a surge the same mitigation efforts that states are pushing to lift. Even as the CDC director said yesterday, that now is not the time to drop the masks. We have and continue to recommend um, masking in areas of high and substantial transmission. That is essentially everywhere in the country in public indoor settings. We continue to recommend universal masking in our schools. When Trump ignored the CDC and the science, we condemned him. When Democratic governors do it, we say Joe Biden needs to get on board, too. And it's great news because we're back to normal. Yeah. Sorry. If you think two to three thousand of your fellow Americans dying every day is normal, that's seriously messed up. It's horrific. <laughs> and True. And even if you think rightly that your chances of dying are minuscule because you're vaccinated, getting COVID has other possible long term effects. Not to mention, like, when this all first started happening, especially the vaccine program, I was like, you know what? This is actually a little wholesome. It's heartwarming that we're actually doing the right thing here. We're going to vaccinate the most vulnerable populations first. Uh, in Canada, they decided they were going to vaccinate indigenous people. They were going to vaccinate the elderly. They were going to work on this tier system where it worked out from the oldest all the way to the youngest on the way down. And people who were, uh, you know, at high risk, uh, people with disabilities, stuff like that, were all in these categories that were allowed to be vaccinated first. And I was like, you know what? We're doing the right thing. 
And then there's this recent backlash. It makes me feel like people uh, don't want to wear masks, don't want to social distance, don't want to have to, like, you know, impose mandates because it infringes on their freedom so much that they'll throw all of that out the window. Like, you could tell them, you, you do know the majority of people who are dying from this happen to be the elderly and the disabled and frontline workers and people who are, like, you know, indigenous and stuff like that. And they're going to be like, well, we're over it. We're, 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 come on. It's been a couple of years now. I mean, we're supposed to get brunch. I thought I thought Biden means brunch, right? Long coat. On top of which, can I add that, uh, like, there's not, like, a lockdown in most provinces in Canada. The idea, like, end all lockdowns. I, every time I hear that, I'm like, what lockdowns? Like, I'm sorry, you privileged motherfuckers. Uh, to my fellow, like, people in Canada, like, we did not get locked down the way Europe got lockdowns, the way Italy got lockdowns, the way Spain got lockdowns. I, I had friends living in Spain who couldn't leave their apartment, uh, like, leave their actual apartments. Not, not like, you go for a walk outside when you want to, but you can't visit more than one or two friends, and if you do see one or two friends, keep the limits of the, the group to six or less, and, and all these kind of things. You just couldn't leave your apartment. You couldn't walk outside unless it was that designated time that you had to go buy your groceries that week. Otherwise, hopefully you've got a really nice place. Hopefully you've got a nice big pad with a couple of pools and a, and a hot tub and a sauna, because you're going to be in that little cube every single day for like weeks and weeks on ends like those those were lockdowns everyone in Canada who's like oh this is tyranny oh we're, we're, we're in, the, the government is imposing us this is apartheid this is basically the holocaust all over again it's like you have no idea how bad it's been in some parts of the world COVID, which is hitting young fit people hard that could afflict you too no one's talking about that A huge mistake uh, Mac Daddy Remade says, I'm fully vaccinated and I still got it. I'm 22 and physically fit and it fucked me up. God damn. Scary. Look, this is and always has been about protecting the most vulnerable among us. They are still getting sick among and us. some of them dying. And again, not just reckless unvaccinated folks who may have brought it on themselves. So why don't so many of our politicians take it more seriously? Even Democrats. Because there is a new emerging, and I would argue dangerous, consensus. A bridge between science-denying Republicans and vaccinated but burned-out Democrats. And that mm. consensus seems there to be, go. I'm done with all this. I let the virus do its thing. Who cares about future variants or long COVID? And if other people die, oh well. Is this really the America we want to live in? The burnout, it's real. I, 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 I not only understand it but uh i experienced it myself no one no one's having a time no no one's loving this you know it's, it's not it's not great every night when you're going to bed and, and you're checking and you're just doom scrolling through the news and it's just like you're seeing all these horrible things that are happening thousands of people are dying and people are just stopping caring about that in some weird kind of like neo-eugenics future where people are just like well i mean we just have to open up at this point we can't we can't keep doing this we can't keep these measures or protocols in place it's it's just you know at the end of the day no one wants to keep wearing masks we're done i'm i'm done with all of this and like again this comes from a person in an incredibly incredibly privileged position okay i know that i can work from home uh, all i have to do is talk into a microphone for like five hours a day and then and then people uh you know hopefully donate to the stream and that and that it makes it possible well there's other people who have to go into their you know jobs being frontline workers where they're exposed every single day to, to possible variants as they come along and, and and everyone who wants to sit back now and say like oh well you know it's uh it's uh i think it's over i think we can just move on like uh, omicron is here omicron kind of just it flushed the system right everyone got omicron and and then we've all had it so we're we're immune because the immunity lasts forever i've got the antibodies now it's not like uh, in six months it's going to wane or anything like that so like let's just move on because you know there'll never be another variant it, because we fixed everything else right D didn't we all, all the problems that that whole like vaccinate the entire planet thing we we did that i hope we did that because that was that was that was going to lead to a lot more variants and who knows if another variant came along that was you know even more even more contagious that that had like you know the the, the power of the delta variant but it was also uh just as communicable uh, communicable as uh the omicron variant what, what did that happen Right, you, you know. Oh, we forgot about the global south. Well, I mean, you, you, well, they, they, I'm sure they figured themselves out. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we figured this entire system out. Someone's, someone's going to, someone's going to sort it. But this is one of the, like I thought this this piece was so on point, especially in a time right now where every single person seems to be uh, on this like cusp this threshold like yes this this uh, truckers rally has been effectively identified uh for what it is but there's still a lot of people 
and people on the left who are, who are burnt out enough, who have enough fatigue from this whole thing, that they're also itching for that. Like they, they see the gold on the other end of the rainbow and they're kinda like, Oh wow, that, that blinding light, it looks quite nice now. And like I too don't want to have to do all this shit anymore. I don't I don't like this. And and honestly I'm really fucking sick of it. And I, I, I kind of just I wanna go back to the way things were. Can we please? Can we can we bo- go back to the way things were before this entire like pandemic exposed like the world for the way it really is, the way that we've classified and stratified society? the way to capitalism just brutally uh impacts some members of society while at the other time greatly benefit benefits others can we go back to that the to the way things were pre-pandemic you know before we had to have that you know ugly light shined on the whole thing so that we actually see everyone for who they truly are so you've just been listening to an episode of the surf times and if you enjoy it and want to see the surf times you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv and also everywhere social media is sold, basically thesurfs.tv, you'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help, and yeah, we hope to see you soon. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we beseech thee to smite down our enemies. To our monarch, Tom Spiker. We are but your humble court jesters, here to amuse you. To our lords, Trevor R. We give thanks for this spit of land for us to eke out this meager existence. To our knights, Merid, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruby Kelly, Ellie Leslie, Alex P., Brandon, Words Greenwood, Nate, That One Guy, Hagbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Coulter Smith, Val 9000, Jenna Tall, Quiet 185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Yanis, Lemmy 101, Anthropophojack, Seren 42, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramon Acosta, Nkosin, Violet Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We raise our flag in a veil, and we salute you, our friends.